Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Association NBA podcast, where we are squeezing in one more episode before the end of the decade. Technically, although if you're on the wrong edges of the Twitter sphere, people will tell you that next year is actually the last year of the decade. But those are the kind of people I don't like. Tommy, is this the last year of the decade? No, the decade's going to end in like two days. Exactly. 2020 is the first year of the next next the 2020s, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it that's how it goes. But you know what right? I'm talking about? Some people are like, "Well, actually 2021's the first year of the next decade." Have you seen that? I've No, I haven't. All right. I think people are saying that. That's you, weird. You kind of got off Twitter, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. You made a good choice, man. I wholeheartedly agree. How'd you do it? I just well, you know, I had that time, that period when I was uh, working construction, mm-hmm. and, and I wasn't, uh, I didn't need it for my job anymore. Yep. So I just stopped, and then I brought it back, uh, thinking I'd have to use it when I started working in marketing. Uh, but nope, uh, nothing, nothing in the job description requires that either. So uh, I've just stayed away, deleted the app. I still have my account, uh, but I haven't logged in in probably almost two years now. Ugh, good on you, man. I'm I'm happy to hear that. It's a uh, yeah. I'd love you know, to I'd love to get away from it, but it's where I get a lot of my news pretty consistently now. What do you like? Was there a transition for you to get news differently? Uh, not really. I still get it from the same places. I just like will go to that website instead of seeing it, seeing something in my feed and following it live. Do you, um, Do you miss NBA Twitter? Yes, I do. There are yeah. parts of Twitter that I miss, but even then, a lot of NBA Twitter is yelling at people over stupid <laughs> yeah. things, and I can do that on I, I can do that on NBA Reddit, but explain myself better. Oh, do you, so <laughs> you, know, you engage in that community? Uh, yeah, I love Reddit NBA. It's uh, it's fantastic. Maybe I should uh, make this because switch. The, there there are some actual like a lot of smart fans on there and people mm-hmm. who actually just want to talk about the game, uh, and it's not just yelling at each other and. 264 characters that's what I, that's what i like about nba reddit i noted I, i'd say nba reddit probably the preferred uh online medium of the association nba podcast i'm willing to do that even though i spend very little time on there just because twitter in general is a pretty toxic place and they don't seem very committed to making it any better it kind of just is what it is so yeah yeah it's a problem and i, de- I definitely I feel a lot less stressed, never never being on Twitter. Just That's delightful. Ch- Twitter is kind of just a stressful experience. Yeah, you're always like, I gotta, I gotta see the newest ones. I gotta catch up. Yeah, I gotta get to the top. Oh, that person's saying something I don't agree with. I gotta, I gotta tweet at him. Or yep. I don't, I don't, I just, I'm a voyeur on Twitter. I very rarely tweet. Maybe once a month. Anyway, we're here to talk about basketball, not Twitter. And my name is Sam Ruthier, and he's Tommy Wood, and uh, we're going to have some fun. This being, uh, we're recording at the evening of December 30th, 2019, 29th, excuse me. Wow, I'm already in tomorrow. Um, (laughs) But New Year's is on the horizon, and uh, we're looking ahead to 2020 and what the NBA has coming uh, in the new year. So we've both drafted up some New Year's resolutions for players, coaches, teams, executives etc um 
to kind of lead us in, in the conversation and in things that are coming up that we think these people should be uh, keeping in mind as, as the new year begins. So, uh, Tommy, would, would, you, would you care to start with one of your New Year's resolutions, and we'll, we'll see where it goes? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to start with one that uh, should be on the top of uh, people's minds given what happened on Christmas Day. And that's for LeBron James. And my new New Year's resolution for him is to buy into load management. Whoa! Um, all right. Because you know he he suffered a groin injury in the Christmas Day game a year, obviously a year to the day after he suffered the injury that pretty much ended his season last year. Um, you know this one was different. It was the different, it was the other side of his groin, and it it was a contact injury. You know he got need trying to take a charge. It wasn't just a non-contact injury so it's, it's not that serious but you know for LeBron to come out and say afterwards publicly that uh load management isn't for him yeah it should be for him I mean LeBron is an Iron Man unlike we've ever seen in the NBA but he's still human and I think we're seeing we're starting to see this year that at some point um you know he does have limits he, you know he's been taking it easy on defense for years you know, his scoring efficiency is down this year, and the Lakers are going to need him at his best if they're going to win a title. Um, they can't have LeBron nursing himself back to health in the first and second round of the playoffs. You know, they're going to need him fresh and ready to go in April, May, and June. And the surest way for, you know, for that to happen is for him to take some time off for him to rest strategically, maybe play fewer back-to-backs, whatever. I mean, he, he probably won't want to do it, but I think at this point you gotta you have to concede that it's necessary. Totally. Um, with this season, it, I feel like at the beginning we kind of got to the fever pitch of, of load management, and people were really like, all right, what, what the heck? Like, Kawhi's healthy and he's not playing, and... Um, I mean, the the reverse of it is look at Kawhi's most recent accomplishments. He's an NBA champion because he was like, look, this is what's going to work for me. I know I'm the best player in your team. This is how we're going to do it. If you want to win a championship with me, the Raptors did, and they won the championship. So there are lessons to be learned there, and it's not that Kawhi is fragile. It's that the, the season is too long. It's, it's pretty widely uh, acknowledged as such, and the league is sent out various or leaked out various things along the lines of they are looking at at reducing that um eventually not soon but so i i like your resolution i really think i think lebron should heed your advice lebron if you're out there (laughs) listen to my good friend tommy no because but uh jokes aside i i want to see him at full strength in the playoffs i want to see him and ad really going against the best of the best in in the west (laughs) eat some hay down by the bay um because <laughs> it's just you know because they they would be one of the teams to beat they would be in that top tier uh, but they've both got various bumps and bruises davis had a shoulder thing a couple nights ago yeah. lebron the aforementioned groin you mentioned they both played through it to beat the blazers last night fine they were on a four-game losing streak that makes sense you and you play through stuff sometimes and uh things were a lot different when lebron entered the league in 2003 um but that's just it things were a lot different and uh do you think for lebron it's more just keeping his eye on the record books and his place among the all-time you know 
players and feeling like, like they he, never took games off. Why should I take games off? And like he's chasing yeah, all these I, records. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think, you know, it's the standard that he holds himself to. And he also knows the standard that he's held to by like the basketball viewing public. Um, he's just held to a different standard than any other player in the NBA right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because he's on the level of Jordan and Kareem and Russell and, and, you know, the all magic bird and the all time greats, you know? Uh, so yeah, I, th- I think it's part of that. Um, yeah, I think some of it is, is pride too. You know, I'm not going to miss games, you know, like that's why his last year in Cleveland, he, you know, went out of his way to play 82 games for the first time ever. Um, but he's going to be 35 by the end of this season. That's it's like it's everything about LeBron is unprecedented. But isn't his birthday coming doing, up like tomorrow? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's, it's really, weird that. I, yeah, it is. Yeah. I, it's weird that I know yeah. LeBron's birthday, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> his birthday's tomorrow. Yeah. Happy so birthday. Got, so he turns 35 tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Case in point, he's for him to be doing this at at this age and playing 35 minutes per game too that i mean that even that could stand to be reduced um it's gonna it's gonna take a toll and i I want so badly for lebron to be at 100 percent in the playoffs because i mean if he if he is there's a reason i picked this team to win the title um that's because if lebron and ad are at their best in the playoffs i don't think any team can beat them in a seven game series and i i want to see that put to the test I wonder if part of it is this leftover mentality from some of those Cleveland teams when he just had to always be out there. Windhorse once, like, mystically espoused this quote about LeBron was in a playoff series and he, like, really badly sprained his ankle, but he just essentially, like, shook it off and came back out and won the game. And afterward, when Windhorse asked him about it, LeBron, or, like, one of LeBron's guys, I don't even think it was LeBron, was like, he just had to be out there. And that was like it. That was the end of it. It was just like yeah. it doesn't really matter if nothing's not like torn or broken. Like he's gonna play. And even this is, I mean, you could say that the Kyrie, Kevin Love teams and the Chris Bosh, D Wade teams like definitely were fine without LeBron. But that last year in Cleveland, like he needed to be out there every game. Last year in LA, he needed to be out there every game. So this is the first year in a little while when he can take games off and they're still one of the best teams in the league with Davis. Um, and it's kind of just tough to make that change, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't want to defend him cause I think you're right, but just trying to get in the head of LeBron or as he's called on basketball reference, the little emperor. <laughs> Is he Napoleon? Is that he's supposed to be? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Who the hell he's calls not, him that? He's not little. No. <laughs> That's like, who called him that? Uh, fucking basketball reference. All right, we're going to move on. Um, <laughs> here's my New Year's resolution. It's also for a contending team, but uh, uh, in a lower uh, stratosphere. Uh, this is for, for Bam Adebayo. And the New Year's Ooh. resolution is uh, to continue making Miami the Eastern Conference team nobody wants to match up with in the playoffs. Um, I just think that they have become, like, kind of – they're almost in – like this top four now it's like milwaukee philadelphia boston and miami like 
it's supposed to just be Milwaukee and Philadelphia and everyone else. I guess it's still Milwaukee and everyone else, but Philly has not earned the right to be in that top two. Boston's played above the expectations most people had, and Miami has played way above the expectations people had, and I think that's primarily because of him almost averaging 15, 10, and 5. He's, like, incredible. He's a huge energy guy, makes smart plays with the ball, both passing and scoring. Um, and I just think he's a monster. I Part of me wanted to be, like, make Bam Adebayo continue making people forget about uh, Hassan Whiteside, but they did the second they traded him, so that doesn't work. Um, but it's great to have Bam, and uh, he's fun to watch, and he's a big dude. Um, yeah. That kind of caught me off guard because he's, he's not seven feet. He's only like 6'9", 6'10", but he's so, like, thick, and there's no yeah. doubt when he's on the court, like, yeah, that's the center. Like, that guy's huge, and he can, he can body up with anybody. So, um yeah, I really yeah. liked watching him play the when I've seen Miami play, and uh, they're a really tough matchup every night, and I think he's a huge part of it because beyond him and Jimmy, the roster is kind of weird. Um, guys kind of fitting in, you know, Duncan Robinson shooting a lot of threes and Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn kind of, like, proving their worth in the league, but Bam and Jimmy are kind of like your clear-cut, like, guys, and I I enjoy that. Yeah, he has been fantastic. Um, and just from what I've seen him play against Denver, he defends Nikola Jokic better than anybody else. No way. Yeah, I mean, he like he is quick enough to not let Jokic get by him on uh, when Jokic faces up, mm-hmm. and he is just immovable in the post. Uh, yeah, he, he's awesome. I, I like Miami. That's I, I like that you mentioned them because one of my resolutions was also for Miami. Oh. Um, I'm, so I'm interested to see what you think about this. And my resolution for that, I guess it's it was more for Pat Riley specifically, and that is go all in. Uh, Pat's getting old. He's always tried to stay competitive. This is the best team they've had by far since LeBron left. Yep. And... Uh, even though they're playing this so well right now and they're, in the, and they're second in the East, I still don't know if they have enough to win three playoff series, you know, against teams like Philly and Milwaukee and Boston. Um, so I think, you know, this, this is going to depend on, on what happens in Toronto and how, you know, how their health situation shakes out. But I think, Miami should do whatever it takes to get themselves Kyle Lowry because you mentioned how weird their roster is and how, you know, they, they have a bunch of kind of mismatched pieces. They don't start a traditional point guard all the time. Uh, I think Lowry could be the guy that pulls it all together because he's just an amazing passer. He's a great defender. He can shoot and he's a guy who can take over scoring when, when you need him to like he did in game six of the finals where he scored the first 11 points of the game and just immediately set the tone. Um, but then he can also just settle in and set and set guys up because he's naturally unselfish. Uh, I think he could be the key to putting this Miami team into a true title contention. Uh, I'm curious what your take is on that. Well, the first thing that comes to mind for me is I think when you talk about getting a guard to Miami, uh, you bring up Lowry a lot, but I feel like in a lot of other uh, more, like I guess, prominent national media conversations, you hear a lot about the Miami's the only real suitor for Chris Paul. 
Um, but I don't really want to spend a lot of time on that because I totally think Lowry is the better fit for Miami. Um, depending how far Toronto potentially sinks and if they want to punt on the season, uh, I wonder what kind of return they would be looking for, what Miami would have to give up. Um, but the the depth they have is such that they can give up some guys who are significant for them and replace them with guys who could hopefully step up. I mean, James Johnson's been nothing for them this season, and it seems like he's on his way yeah. to it being a lost season because he showed up out of shape. But Man, if he yeah, is in Johnson, shape now... They have, they have Waiters' contract. Um, they could include like one of uh, Olenek or Myers Leonard. And a pick. Like all, all those guys are making around $15 million a year. Um, or Goran Dragic could mm-hmm. even be in the deal. Um, you know, I think at all costs, they should avoid giving up guys like, you know, Winslow and Harrow mm-hmm. um, and try to make this happen with, like, draft capital instead of young players. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if that, w- if that would get it done for Toronto. You know, Kyle Lowry is such a franchise icon. Uh, I mean, who, Messiah is ruthless, but who knows? I mean, I don't know if they would uh, trade Lowry at this point for anything less than you know, a godfather offer. But we'll see. But it, it, it certainly makes sense for both sides if Toronto just wants back assets, contracts, just, just some flexibility in the years to come. Um, and if Miami really wants to go all in, and, and I, I like that resolution because Pat Riley's entire career in the NBA has shown he's never been afraid to do that. Um, and this could be kind of like he's the been, last he's chance. all in for 50 years. Yeah, literally, <laughs> his entire life. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the uh, – did you read the ESPN huge profile on him maybe a year or two years ago? What's that guy's name? Yeah. The, the journalist? Was it uh, – oh, God. Wright Thompson? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. So good. Yeah. It's just – He's he's relentless. Yeah. He's insane. Um, well, nice. Uh, we knocked two out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually slide into one that's uh, adjacent to that conversation – Okay. Mine is for Sam Presti, so another executive. Ooh. And the resolution is do not make any rash decisions to remain competitive this season. OKC is is more than on the fringes. They're in the playoff picture right now. But uh, to, Yeah, they're 16 and 15. That's not like real playoff contention. That's the thing. Like, yes, you can make the playoffs and maybe have a couple playoff games and, and feel good and get some experience for SGA. And game whatever. revenue, baby. <laughs> Two home games. Yeah. Okay, so he's all about that revenue. Just ask James Harden. Um, but <laughs> at the end of the day, like it, they've got moves to make. This definitely, I don't think, is the roster that they'll end the season with. And there's two ways they can go now. I mean, before the season, you would say, yeah, they're going to just keep trying to find a way to trade Chris Paul. Um, they can keep trying to do that, whether it's aforementioned Miami deal or like Minnesota gets brought up a lot or some other team that's desperate. Um, and can match contracts, which they're few and far between, so he, he might very well end up on the roster. Um, or unload another contract, set of contracts, useful players, Steven Adams, who knows, Robertson, if he shows he can be healthy and productive still. Um, or you trade some of the picks you just got over the summer, bring in a vet and say, no, you know what, we're gunning for the five seed, whatever, the four seed, and we want to be scary team nobody wants to play in the playoffs and see what happens and and start putting this core together now um and i don't know i just don't i i think plenty of teams 
I think back to the Celtics when they traded for Isaiah and it ended up great. It ended up getting them on a path to where they are now. But uh, I think a lot of teams, like I think of the Wizards, who <laughs> who did a lot of moves like that and like you know signed people like Bismack Biombo. No. Yeah. Did they sign no. him? No. Uh, yeah, they signed Jan Mahinmi. Jan Mahinmi, yeah. Sa- same kind of looking, playing guy. Yeah. Just <laughs> different. Um, it didn't work out great. And I, I think that no. OKC's sitting on such a gold mine right now. And Presti is not prone to make mistakes like that, but I also think that OKC's been good for so long that he would be really hesitant to let them suck because it's always like kind of teetering on the edge. It's a tough market to begin with. So that's why I just I say commit to the suck, man. But I don't know. What, what do you make of all that? No, I, I agree with you. Um, I think the problem is that Chris Paul is probably untradeable um, mm-hmm. just with at his age, and that that is that is such a large number to be paying a point guard his age. Um, I think the most the most likely trade for OKC, and maybe maybe not even now that he has an ankle injury and is going to be out for, for a few games, but I mean, Danilo Gallinari has been absolutely awesome this year and you know he's had as we see now he's had health problems but you know 18 points and five rebounds two assists on on really really efficient 60 percent true shooting i mean he he has been spectacular he's been taking seven threes a game i think he could step in and help any contending team you know like if i were portland why why would why would you know why would Portland go after Kevin Love when they could get Danilo Gallinari? Totally is my question. I think Gallinari would be a much better fit there, and I think at this point he's been having a better season than Love. And I, and defensively, uh, he gives you more on that end. He gives you more uh, fight, and he's a little fleeter of foot. So I think for a team like that, I mean, maybe even for a team like like Sacramento, that is that is trying to make a push and could do something rash. Uh, I think I think Gallinari is someone who a, a lot of teams out there would want to get. He'd play great next to Melo. He would, yeah. Former, well, not former teammates. They were traded for each other. It's true. Yeah. Former wearers of Denver Nuggets uniforms. God, I mean, I'm, bless I'm thinking Carmelo. even a team like um, like Milwaukee, even. Mm. Uh, I think you know that's. I guess that gets on to one of my resolutions, which is for Milwaukee to add a third creator. Um, because, you know, we've gone on at length about how, how they made a mistake in letting Brogdon go. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's not... It, it, I think their game on Christmas against Philly kind of showed the, the blueprint for what's going to happen to them in the playoffs, you know, which is the same thing that happened in the last four games of the Eastern Conference Finals last year is that when when a team figures out how to defend them they they didn't have an alternative you know their their entire their entire game is based around pick and roll with Giannis and shooters but if a team takes that away they don't have anywhere else to go you know uh, uh excuse me Eric Bledsoe just completely disappeared in that series and so did Nikola Miritich I think Gallinari, if they bring him in, could be a type of guy who gives them what they thought Miritich would give them last year, which is another scoring forward who can score inside and out, who can hit the three, who can play in transition, um, and, you know, who who could even be – who could run both sides of a pick and roll with Giannis, you know? Um, 
I think if Milwaukee made him, I think they need to make a move like that. And I, I think Gallinari is not the only guy out there. I mean, I think Bogdan Bogdanovich from San, uh, Sacramento. Yeah, apparently he wants to a, get out, doesn't he? Great guy for them. Yeah, I mean, he's he's pissed about not getting an extension. Dude, he'd be such a good uh, fit. When they gave one. Yeah, I think he'd be perfect there, too. I was literally just Googling that, yeah. A, he'd basically be a Brogdon replacement. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I think I think a guy like that would really help Milwaukee. I mean, I don't. I think Drew Holiday would be awesome too. He's probably ungettable for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I think they need that because as great as they've been through most of this regular season, I mean, it looks like they could just you know walk backwards into sixty wins. Um, but they did they did that last year, and then and then they they romped through the playoffs until. They found a team that could defend them, and and this this Philly team, uh, I think even has a higher defensive ceiling than Toronto did last year, and they just showed that with all the size that they can have out there with with Horford and Embiid, who are maybe two of the best people you could possibly want defending Giannis, uh, and just the the length and athleticism they have everywhere else between Simmons and 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 Josh Richardson, it's it's kind of hard and they have a way of making Milwaukee's system not work. And, you know, in the playoffs last year, Milwaukee wasn't good enough to, to, to get buckets when, when their system broke down. Totally. You're, you're absolutely right. I didn't write it down, but I had been tossing around the idea like Milwaukee needs to basically for me, it was more of a negative, like needs to get rid of Eric Bledsoe. Like it, for for yeah. what he's there for, he's just not going to accomplish it. But having him on the roster and in the lineup when he gets healthy again, like he's only out for a few why games. Why did they but. extend him during the season last year? I mean, that like looking back, like that is just that was just an awful decision. Yeah. I mean, granted, he was playing really, really well, but I I mean, they had to have known that Bledsoe had shown flashes like that before and had always come back to earth. I mean, the fact that they they paid him and not Brogdon is just. It, it's pretty galling. Yeah, you look at what Brogdon's become in Indiana, and you'd trade those two in a heartbeat. You'd you'd just give Brogdon all yeah. of Bledsoe's minutes, and, and or you just give him all the minutes he had last year. But like, if you put him in Bledsoe's place right now, like you'd much rather have the guys filling the Brogdon hole, filling the Bledsoe hole, and let Brogdon still do what he was doing last year, and especially what he's grown into in Indiana with so much yeah. more and ball handling, playmaking ability. Yeah, he was great in the playoffs last year, and Bledsoe. It's not like Bledsoe, you know, choking was something unexpected i mean he did it in the playoffs in 2018 too you know when when he talked shit to terry rozier and then rozier oh, just completely crossed him up for the game ethered him yeah yeah it's just absurd that was uh, fun like he has <laughs> yeah he, he has a track record of of not showing up and just and have just becoming the worst possible version of himself so yeah, it's it, it sucks. I mean, that's that's the Bledsoe that I expect to see in the playoffs this year. So, I think Milwaukee has to get something else. Do you think they could get Fred Van Vliet? No. You don't think, think Toronto's so. giving him up? No. All I, right. I think. I mean, he's. I think he's still young enough to where even if they, even if some of their other guys go, they'd want to keep him around. The Van Vliet um, I mean, Siakam core. Yeah. I mean, he he just gives them like a baseline of ball handling, defense, and shooting competence. That like if he wasn't there, like they would just have absolutely nothing at the point guard position. And I think with a guy as good as Siakam, you don't want to you know completely tank 
you know, if you can retool by by maybe trading some guys like Lowry and Ibaka and Gasol and and try to get younger. Uh, but you're not you don't want to completely implode when you have guys that good. Would you trade like Ibaka and Norm Powell for Steve Adams? No. Okay. Would you trade Gasol for Adams straight up? No. All right. Just checking. Gasol's better. Yeah, he and, is. Yeah, and he's on an ex- he's on an expiring contract. Oh yeah, you're right. Unlike and Adams isn't. No. And you know Adams makes twenty five million dollars. That's a lot of money. To not rebound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of weird, right? Yeah, I thought you know I really thought <laughs> I really thought Stephen Adams' rebounding numbers would just go way up with Russell Westbrook out of Oklahoma City, but nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Well. We'll see. I think we're just biding our time till Dragon Bender steps up and starts stealing Giannis's minutes with his like sixty percent <laughs> three point shooting. But that day is not yet come. He's appeared in three games. Uh, he's the dragon. They they have not really unleashed the dragon yet, but it's it's coming. Um, he's just waiting for the bells. Yeah, exactly. Here's my next one. This one's for All Rick right. Carlisle. The resolution is to keep spacing the floor with Kristaps Porzingis. Just because I really enjoyed his rant about how people kept asking him if he's going to post up Chris Tapps, and he was <laughs> like, "I'm not going to. It's not a good. You're all idiots. I think it's. Pretty, he, said, he said I think it's pretty fucking cool what Chris Tapps does right now. Um, but Dallas is awesome, and that offense works really great. So he's right to not change a thing. And um, I mean, I think people were just used to Chris Tapps in the fucking triangle, and like think that's the best way to utilize him and i don't think the knicks know the best way to do anything when it comes to basketball so it it, i i'm glad to see him kind of in this new iteration and especially when it's not about chris dabs as much as how will he fit in a team setting alongside luka Doncic because he is the main player there uh it's even more i guess urgent that he doesn't just post up and hog possessions and clock time and the ball well especially because Porzingis has been a shitty post player throughout his entire career. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't have, you know, he's he he's so, you know, skinny. I mean, he, he's pretty muscular, but he's still really 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 skinny and he has such a high center of gravity at 7 foot 3 that he can't back the guys down. Uh I mean, his his go-to post move is kind of a turnaround jumper and he's not you know, a Dirk level shooter. Yeah. So that's, that's not an efficient shot for him. Um, so I, you know, I wouldn't want him posting up. And even if he was a good post player, uh, the Mavericks right now have the highest offensive rating in, in NBA history. So I would not want to mess with that by feeding some guy post touches. Uh, and you know, his, his three point shooting is, it's ticked up to 34%. I think it's going to continue to, to get better. Um, just because it can take, it can take a while to regain your gym, your jump shooting after coming back from an ACL injury. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, I think that's one thing people continually forget when they talk about Porzingis's quote unquote struggles is that, you know, he's probably not going to be fully back until next year. Uh, so yeah, I think continue doing what you're doing. It's already working beautifully. And, uh, just see see what you can do with this team. I mean, I I think these guys could win a playoff round. At least. I mean, yeah. we we talked about it earlier. 
in the season and and it's still at the end of the day there's not kind of enough there after Luca and Chris Tapps but Luca's just so good I mean he's he's yeah. practically averaging a triple double he almost has 30 points a game like that's wild if it wasn't for how many points a game Harden scores that's kind of normalized high scoring seasons and I guess Giannis is averaging 30 points a game like people would think it's much crazier that Luca's got 29 and a half points a game as his people already 29 straight sorry yeah Yeah. he's 20 and he's already doing that I mean it's it's terrifying and it it, that's enough to get a team at least through a round even in the competitive west so well yeah yeah. and and what's to say he he can't do some you know LeBron 2007 shit and just completely win a series by himself I wouldn't rule it out when 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 yeah he I mean LeBron beat that Pistons team in the conference finals you know with a squad that had no business winning that series I mean I mean and Luca has better talent around him than than LeBron did so yeah they uh they could make some serious noise all right what get resolute me good sir okay I've got uh I know we've already talked about Philly a little bit just a uh, little but I've got a resolution for them and it's regarding a certain Ben Simmons oh I think I want I want Philly to start using Draymond, uh, <laughs> to start using Ben Simmons like Draymond Green on offense. I would like and that. That is, I know he's you know he he considers himself a point guard. They consider him a point guard. That's the position he's listed at you know in in, in their lineup. But yeah, I think. Someone with his shooting limitations just cannot be your half-court point guard. I think in the half-court, you know, if, if he gets a rebound or if you or if someone gets a rebound and outlets it to him and you guys are running, yeah, then in that case, let him push it, let him, let him, you know, dime it up. That That's where he's best. But in the half-court, his limitations make it impossible for him to, make, to run a pick-and-roll, so he just ends up relegated to the dunker spot. Uh, while Embiid posts up, or and, and people cut off that, or Tobias Harris or Josh Richardson r- run a pick and roll. Um, so I want Philly to start using Ben Simmons as a screener in the half court. I want them to run pick and roll with Simmons as a screener, and then from there he can either, you know, catch it and dunk it because he's still a great finisher, or he can catch it and and find an open shooter or you know, find Embiid for a lob or, or, or something like that because he's still a preternatural passer. I mean, I think, you know, Philly doesn't have the spacing that, that Golden State did in its heyday, obviously, but I think the idea of, you know, having a big who is an, uh, an elite passer and Simmons, unlike Draymond, is an elite finisher, um, you know, having a guy like that who can catch a ball on the roll and just immediately make a pinpoint pass and make a perfect decision because of their high basketball IQ. I think that I think that would be a much better way for Philly to utilize the talents of Ben Simmons uh, in in the half court because you know everyone talk everyone talks about the limitations when it comes to Ben Simmons, the fact that he can't shoot. And yeah, it, it in a lot of ways it is crippling, but I think the way Philly kind of hides him in the dunker spot. It's 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 running away from the problem, and it's not utilizing his unique strengths as you know a, maybe the best six foot ten passer since Magic Johnson. You know, uh, I think 
having him, you know, shit. I mean, run, run, you know, run twenty pick and rolls with him as a screener game. You know, I, I think they could do that at a really high volume and get a lot of great offense out of it. You know, I like it for pretty much every reason you said. I also like it because whoever is running that pick and roll uh, is going to get switched on to Ben Simmons' guy, who might still be a guard, but also might be a bigger player, a forward. Yeah, um, yeah. If he gets switched on to a guard, he could take that guy into the post. Yeah, there, there's no switch that would be worse for Ben Simmons because he already faces everybody. It, yeah. The only thing that could happen is he gets a mismatch or the guy who's running the pick and roll gets a mismatch or they just switch with two guys who have already guarded both of them anyway. So, but for Philly, who's so much of their offense, they just can't run like another NBA team. Like little things like that lead to points. Um, it lead to things that they have to exploit by nature of their roster construction. So I, I like it from that perspective too. Um, seems to me so far the, the like two or three, the three seasons we've seen of Ben Simmons always running the point, always having the ball in his hands. At this point, like, we know what it is and, like, what it kind of it maxes out at, and, and it, it's not enough, which is why you brought this up in the first place. And the only reason they seem to stick with it so much, to me, it's almost like a stubbornness. It's Brett Brown yeah. saying, like, no, we said he's a point guard. He's our point guard. Like, okay, it was one and, thing when he was a he, rookie, but. And he's really stubborn, stubborn about not taking threes. You know, that's, yeah. that's he's not blameless. And like when people complain about how he hasn't gotten better since he came into the league, I mean that's that that isn't wrong. Uh, but I I really think Philly has kind of done him a, a disservice in you know I mean obviously not so much in building a mismatch team around him with him and Embiid because you know talent is talent is more important than anything right talent talent I think in most cases trumps fit and mm-hmm. I think this in this case it can but it just hasn't. Uh, because Philly, Philly hasn't taken advantage of it the way they should. You know, I think back to uh, one game in the in the their series against Brooklyn in the first round last year, the one the one that Embiid missed, where in, in that game they did use Simmons as the screener, and and obviously they had more spacing with without Embiid playing, um, but that was maybe the best game of of Simmons' career. You know, he had more. He I had uh, I think thirty points and ten assists, uh, and it it, it, it kind of showed what that can be. And it, even if uh, Embiid were in there hanging out in the dunker spot, well, then uh, Simmons could just find him with a with a pocket pass and Embiid can finish. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's exactly what, what you would want. Yeah. And I think that would be much better on offense than, um, than what they're doing. Okay, yeah, the game I'm talking about, yeah, it was game three against Brooklyn, uh, 30 points, 9 two steals three blocks uh and on 11 of 13 shooting yeah that's monstrous yeah (laughs) it's a near perfect game yeah 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 so that that that's what i want for ben simmons um because this team you know this team isn't built around him but uh they don't have to they don't have to kind of hold him back the way the way in which they have been kind of like uh we were talking about with Milwaukee, like, yes, Giannis is that good, but at the end of the day, like, defenses, in particular, Philly's defense to some degree and Toronto's defense to, to the entire degree, like, have been able to really neutralize him and make it so he can't win the game. Like, it could be the same for Embiid um, in that it, he, he won't be enough. They'll need 
you know, like you're saying, more out of yeah. Ben Simmons, even though the team, well, the, yeah. the identity is not built around Ben Simmons, it's bent around Joel Embiid. Like, this, this, they're going to need enough from this guy if they really want to make the finals. They want to win a championship, yeah. not just be a good team. I mean, we saw it last year in the second round yeah. where Mark Gasol stoned Embiid. And, you know, Philly had, they had better half-court shot creators in the playoffs. You know, they had Jimmy Butler, you know, who, who was a guy who they could still go to to get them buckets when they needed it. And he almost won them that series. Well, he's gone. And uh, if they run into a guy who can, you know, maybe maybe that won't be an issue because uh, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Toronto and Al Horford, who is probably the other best defender of Joel Embiid, is now on the team. So maybe, maybe that's not going to be as big of a problem. But at some point, they're going to they're gonna face a challenge that Embiid can't overcome by himself, just generating shots for them in the half court. And Simmons is going to have to step up. You know, I mean, he as for as great as he... For as great as he is, there I just can't think of another great player who has some of the stat lines that he has. Some you know some games where it's like, you know, three of seven disappears. Yeah, yeah, six six points, three assists, four rebounds, and then it, it, it and then he'll have some games where where he plays great. But the inconsistency is just killer. Yeah, and he doesn't shoot as many free throws as you would expect for someone who, like you said earlier, is a great finisher and should be doing a lot around the rim and trying to finish through contact. I think he's afraid of contact. He's, a, he's afraid. Because he's, he's a horrible free throw shooter. He's afraid of getting fouled. He doesn't want to get embarrassed, yeah. And, and, and yeah. again, just another excuse so thing up, where... He goes up soft. And it's funny because, like, on defense, he's re- he's a really physical defender. Like, he's not a soft player. He's not afraid of contact. He's just afraid of going to the free throw line. It's not. It's not good. It's not, it's not what you want. It's, <laughs> it, not what you want. Just, just when you when you see what he already brings and what he could, uh, what the next step would be for him. Kind of like watching the evolution of Giannis, where he's become such a like much smoother ball handler and a little more able passing, but such an elite finisher, and he's getting his shot together. Like, you know, I'd say a couple years ago, he and Simmons were kind of identical with their limitations shooting wise, and now Giannis is capable and you have to respect him beyond the three-point arc and you don't have to do that with Simmons and that yeah. says a lot. And the thing is like even with Giannis even when he you know he wasn't he was shooting really poorly like he would still take him. He was taking him yeah. Yeah you know Simmons like at least take like take a fucking mid-range two you know like if, even if you're not going to take threes like take a jump shot from from somewhere you know. Like for for as much as people decry the mid range shot, it's still, you know, it is the bread and butter of the game's elite scorers. You know, because if it, it's it's sometimes in late shot clock situations, in late game situations, it's the best shot you can generate. Um, and sometimes you just have to take what you can get. And Ben Simmons can't even do that. It's uh, something I've brought up before. I mean. Last year, Marcus Smart was one of the worst shooters in the entire league, but they still respected when he shot because it's instinctual for basketball players to guard yeah. people when they're shooting yeah. um, or yeah. when they're in a spot Vol- where they should shoot. Matters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Marcus Smart, have you heard the stuff about how bad his conjunctivitis was? No, I haven't. <laughs> he So he got viral conjunctivitis. Great article on The Athletic. Anyone out there should read by Jared Weiss, but not while you're okay. eating. Um he, oh he literally like was just sitting in a dark room wearing some sunglasses 
and like everything he touched or wore had to be destroyed because he was so contagious. And <laughs> yeah, and this conjunctivitis got to both of his eyes, and it was so bad that they would have to hold his eyes open with like, you know, like Clockwork Orange shit. That's literally how they describe yeah. it in the, in the article, like Clockwork Orange shit, and and like clean them out and like. He said it was, like, the most painful thing he's ever experienced or close. And there were, like, these scabs oh. inside his eyelids they had to take out. Like, it was nasty. Oh, my God. He just had, like, he was just oozing out of his eyes. And he, they thought horrible. he might go blind if it got into his cornea. Oh. Holy shit. So, but, yeah. That poor dude. He, got, he came back last night against the Raptors, and he was just front-rimming all of his threes. And the announcers were like, well, you know what? He kind of, he's earned the right to, to take some bad shots. He, it's just a miracle he can still see. Like, I mean, it's not a miracle, but, like, just the fact that he can see is, like. Yeah, he could have gone blind. Could have gone blind. I, think that give, I think that gives you, like, a one-game mulligan to take whatever <laughs> shots you want. We're talking about Marcus Smart here, man. I don't, I don't want him to have yeah. any mulligan. It took, it, this year was finally the year he stopped taking horrible shots the whole time. But, um, yeah, that was crazy. That's it's probably the craziest story of the NBA this wow. year. Like just just Marcus Smart almost goes blind. That's you know, the thing about Marcus Smart is he probably could have gone blind and still been a first you know, first team defender. <laughs> yeah, I mean just by sense of smell and and, yeah. and, and hearing, he's still yeah. locked down. <laughs> He'd still be diving for loose balls. Just every time you hear something <laughs> hit the floor, he'd dive at it. So somebody <laughs> yeah. sitting courtside drops their soda and he dives at it. <laughs> Who knows, man? Um, yeah, I'm glad he's. I'm glad he's. He's okay. Um, okay, I have one more resolution for you, and right, uh, let's hear it. my it. I, I'm kind of ashamed of this one, but it, I am Nikola Jokic, and my resolution is to play so well that everyone forgets I showed up kind of fat. <laughs> And the reason I'm bringing this up is because the Nuggets and Jokic have been playing so well until Christmas. They were on like a seven-game win streak. I think they're currently sitting in the two seed in the West, right? They are, yeah. So they've been playing great. They've been way more under the radar this year than they were last year, I think because the L.A. teams suck up so much the oxygen in the room. But uh, he's been great. They've been great. I uh, I love it. What what? Can you tell me you've seen why did they lose to the Pelicans first? But besides that, um, are they? Is this a very similar team to last year? Is there something different going on here? What uh, What is the case of the 2019-2020 two seed Denver Nuggets? I think this is, you know, this is kind of a similar team to what we saw in last year's playoffs, hmm. uh, which is that they're defending at an elite level. They're cagey. In defense, holy shit! They, they, like their defense has been outstanding this year. Um, they're defending at a level well enough. Really, they're defending at a championship level. Um, but their offense, you know, as it did in the playoffs against Portland last year, uh, is kind of holding them back. They're only fifteenth in offense, which is just ridiculous when you think about the firepower that they have between Jokic and Murray and. Will Barton and Gary Harris, uh, it's it's been ugly. So I think I think you're exactly right. They need Jokic at the peak of his powers to, uh, you know, to to play it at the level of offense they need to, you know, fulfill their potential. I mean this 
team, like realistically, I mean, they there is a, a pathway for them to win the championship this season, but they need Nikola Jokic to play at like a first team all NBA level for that to be realistic. And he just hasn't done it because like you said, he came into the season fat. So last season they were about middle of the road. I literally just looked at this. Um, like threes made threes per game this year. They're like bottom five. What do you think contributes to them shooting that many fewer threes? I think part of it has been, uh, Jokic really struggling from three. I mean, kind of for, for the second year in a row, but, but Harris, you know, after being a 40% guy for most of his career mm-hmm. is down to 34% this year. Um, Jamal Murray is down to 32%. That's uh, not good. A lot of their shooters, yeah, their best shooters and their highest volume shooters just aren't uh, aren't getting it done. Um, and But they also are just taking a ton of mid-rangers, and I, I don't know if that's just a, a construct of the offense, but th- they aren't flowing the way they did in years past. And Jokic isn't, uh, he's not taking over as a scorer the way he did in years past. It just... There's something a little, not like not stagnant, but but I don't know. They they they've just kind of stopped being what what made them so good. It's odd. It's it's odd and and to to change something that's so kind of that was pretty key to your identity and how you succeeded last year and still have good results. It makes you wonder. Yeah, I mean, if I, yeah, honestly, I, I, as good as they are right now, you know, being second in the West, I think they should still look to make a move before the deadline to try to, like, improve themselves because, you know, offensively, they just, they couldn't get it done. They didn't have the shot creation that they needed in the playoffs last year, Mm -hmm. and they still don't have that now. I mean, in fact, like, I think, I think their shot creation situation now is even worse than it than it was uh i mean but barton has been playing better but yeah uh you know Jokic is just regressed and you can't fully count on him to you know reach the level he was at in the playoffs last year so i mean i i don't know if it's going to be a guy like drew holiday but i think if they can get a guy like like holiday they need to like go all in for him um because what they have right now is just, I don't think it's going to be enough to score in the playoffs. Dude, you just want to get think, Drew Holiday like, out of New Orleans. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I do. I do. I do. And I think Denver would be perfect. Yeah. I mean, because Denver, like, I think, I, I think they can defend well enough to uh, to make the finals and potentially win the finals. But but I, Holiday could be the guy who, as a two-way guard, you know, who has balled out in the playoffs throughout his career. I mean, remember how great he was when New Orleans swept Portland, Portland in the first round? That was awesome, yeah. I mean, on, yeah, he was just, I mean, he was scoring 30 points and locking down Dame Lillard every game. I mean, that's what, that's what he can give a team like that. And he can just give them a veteran swagger that they really lack. Um, so I, I, I think he'd be perfect for them. But uh, they've... You know, they've got to do something. They're doing. They're they're second in the West. They're second in defense. Um, they've been winning despite having a, a middling offense. But middling offense does not win you a title. 
No, to be a team like Denver and to be that close, you you do feel like it, you'd want to go go for it like that. Um, we'll see. New Orleans is quite bad, although they beat you again on Christmas. They did, yeah. Brandon Ingram just went off. That I was, love him. I'm so glad he's crazy. having that year. It's the only shining light for the Pelicans. I mean, we'll see what happens when Zion comes back, if that's like if it's clear that those two are the, the nucleus for that team. Um, but that's I mean, a loss. If Ingram season. can keep shooting like this, they, they are a nucleus. I mean, then if, if Ingram is, if this is who he is, they can, he can coexist with anybody. Yeah. You know, 25 points a game. Yeah. 55% effective three. Goal. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take that. Almost taking six threes a game too. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. When you, I, I love it when a dude from like raises his volume and efficiency from three. That's like, like, that's when you know that, like, he really worked on it and he feels confident in it. That's, that's cool. Yeah, totally. Um, all right. Any other resolutions or anything else that's going on in the NBA you wanted to hit? No, man, that's it. I think that was, uh, that was pretty good. I I wish teams would just listen to our podcast (laughs) and adopt our resolutions. Yeah. Come on. Make all the changes we mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Trade Kyle Lowry. Tra- trade Drew Holiday <laughs> to Miami and Denver. Make him split time between the two teams. Um, and don't yes, trade Chris Paul. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, Tommy, do you have any, any kind of New Year's resolutions you're angling for? Uh, not really. Um, you know, I... You know, I don't, I don't know. Everyone says, like, I got the typical things that people make you new year's resolutions like working out. I don't know. I already do that. So you do, I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of this, this, this is going to sound like pithy and cynical, but if it was something that you were really committed to, you could do it at any time. It's true. The date is arbitrary. Yeah. Well, uh, that's, that's, that's how I feel about resolutions. I don't really have one. Towards the end of high school, I started kind of like setting uh, esoteric and cringeworthy ones. Like like one year, my whole thing was to tempt fate. That was my New Year's resolution. <laughs> Swear to God. Basically like a tattoo a girl That's would get on her ankle or something. Such a high school resolution. Tempt fate. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. How, how did that go for you? I'm trying to remember what year it was. I think I think I did tempt fate and it did not go well. If, I, <laughs> if I'm remembering right, junior year of high school, I, yeah. I'd go back and change some things. Um, but uh, <laughs> the past is, what do they say in Game of Thrones? The ink is dry <laughs> on history. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Although they never really resolved the fact that Bran could change going into the past that never actually played into the end of the show. Yeah. It, none, of it, none of it made any sense. Why would you even show? I guess it was just to show us that he changed Hodor, but like, wouldn't he change him changing Hodor like mean he's going to go change something else that's going to matter? Like he created the Night King or something? Like, no. None of it matters. Sorry. Yeah, don't, don't, don't ask questions. Don't ask questions? Okay, I won't ask questions just, about the last Star Wars. At, anyway, just look either. at how cool it is. Did you watch the most recent Star Wars? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like it either. Yeah. Too yeah, too much going yeah, on. Was, yeah, too convoluted. I didn't didn't like the big twist. And you know how I know I'm right? Because the people on binge mode didn't like it either. Yeah. That, I was like, exactly. yes! I'm right! <laughs> <laughs> Jason and Mal hate this shit. <laughs> oh, I was so glad they didn't like it. Oh, that would have been such a bummer if I went on and they were like, 
wow, what a great. Oh, it was so good. No, no it wasn't. Palpy. Yeah, I, my sister and I saw it on the same day, uh, you know, about 3,000 miles apart. And afterwards, we spent a good hour and 15 minutes on the phone discussing how much we disliked it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. Well, that's what happens when, uh, you know, that's what happens for a lot of reasons, but <laughs> it happened. Um, <laughs> did you finish Mandalorian? Yeah. Great. That was, that, that was, that was how you end the series. Excellent. That was good. It's just, just, Ooh. just great. Do the hand thing. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, <laughs> do the magic hand thing. Yeah. Carl <laughs> Weathers, I love that he's basically playing himself. He's, he's basically playing the same version of himself that he played in Arrested Development. Dude, he's literally like Arrested Development Carl Weathers mixed with Apollo Creed mixed with Chubbs. Like, he's every Carl Weathers in space. Yeah. 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 Mando. He's, yeah, he's great. <laughs> Stay. Yeah, just the, yeah, yeah, the way he just immediately, that they won the final battle, he just immediately swings into sales. Rejoin the guild. Yeah. You can have anything <laughs> the, the you want. Wide Republic soldier as my enforcer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He has uh, the chick to yeah. be his private soldier and she thinks about <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> Mando. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you, whoever's still listening to us talk about Mandalorian, for listening to the Association NBA podcast. We'll be back in 2020, and hopefully people will forget about Nikola Jokic being 30 pounds overweight. In the meantime, I'm Sam Ruth here. He's Tommy Wood. Tommy, any last words for the people out there? Happy New Year, everybody. Happy, happy fucking New Year. All right. That's all for us. Goodbye.